0: I had tried to stay in the Gospel of Matthew for this month of December for Advent. Two weeks ago, we looked at the genealogy of Jesus, and last week we had the missions message with Katie Knowles. So this morning, I want to pick up the second part of the first chapter of Matthew. After the genealogy, what happens? Matthew tells the story of the birth of Jesus from Joseph's perspective. Luke comes at it from Mary's perspective, but Matthew does it from Joseph, the father. And a lot of times we overlook Joseph. He's in the background. He's kind of quiet. He's just kind of standing there in the manger scene while Mary's holding the child. But what an important figure in the birth of Jesus or it could not have happened according to God's plan. Jesus' earthly father, Matthew 1 verses 18 through 25 Take your copy of God's Word and hold it open there before you, throughout the message, because I'll be referring to verses and special words within this passage throughout the message. Matthew 1, 18 through 25, Jesus, earthly father. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, circle the word just or righteous or however your translation has it, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus.' For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. It's in Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had borne a son, and he called his name Jesus. What does this tell us about Joseph? And even more importantly, what does this tell us about ourselves? Let's bow. Father, as we come now to consider this important figure in the birth of our Lord, help us to understand better and appreciate the predicament he was in, the sacrifice he made, and the lesson that you taught him in doing so. And let that be a lesson we learn today as well. In the name of the baby who was born in a manger, we pray. Amen. As we're reading through verses 18 through 25 of chapter 1, it's the last part of the first chapter of Matthew. We come across verse 19 where it says, Her husband... Joseph Now, not technically a husband because they aren't married yet. They are betrothed. But betrothal for the Jews was more serious than simple engagement. Engagements get broken every day. But betrothal for the Jews was almost marriage, practically marriage. As a matter of fact, it was so much like marriage, you had to have a divorce to break it. And divorce had to be witnessed by two persons. So it was a very serious business, this betrothal. And her husband Joseph, verse 19, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. We read over that hurriedly. We gloss over it and don't really think much about it. But the word for just there is the Greek word dikaios. It doesn't just mean good. Good is the Greek word agathos. Good is a moral description. Just is a religious phrase. Just means someone who scrupulously observes the Jewish laws. It's a technical term for someone who adheres to the Torah. When I say the law, I'm talking about Genesis through Deuteronomy and knows all the rules and regulations contained therein and obeys them to the letter. Joseph was careful. He was scrupulous in his observance. He did what every good Jewish person who wanted to be just, who wanted to be righteous, would do. He would not labor in his carpentry shop on the Sabbath to make a few extra drachmas. Um, He would not eat pork. He would not associate with sinners. He was the kind of person that every Jew aspired to be. He was the kind of man that every Jew looked up to and admired because he was so attentive to the law and every jot and tittle, every dot and I in the law, he was scrupulous to observe. But now he's got a problem because the girl that he's engaged, no, it's not engagement, it's betrothed in the Jewish law. The girl he's betrothed to is pregnant and he knows the child is not his. So what does he do? Can you imagine what Joseph must have gone through thinking about this? Nazareth is a small town. And there's a lot of gossip that goes on in small towns. Here is Joseph, the righteous Jew, who is just and who observes the law. And here is his betrothed, pregnant, his fiance. Tongues will wag. And don't just gloss over this and miss what is happening here, what Joseph is facing, what he is learning, what's going on here at Christmas. We just rush on by it and think about the sacrifice that Mary is making. Hearing the word from the angel, the messenger, and taking all these things and pondering them and hiding them in her heart. But what about Joseph? He is a just man. He is a righteous man. He observes the Jewish law. And yet God is working with Joseph too and he's teaching him something that he needs to learn. And I think it's something that you and I could stand to remember too. Because God is redefining in Joseph what it means to be a righteous man. What it means to be a just man. Dikaios, the Greek word, means just, righteous. It is a religious description for Joseph for the Jews. But God is saying, wait a minute, there's something more important here than the law. Put yourself in the outline in the betrothal, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. His fiancee comes to him and says, Joseph, I am with child, and it's by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what Joseph must have thought when she came and told him that? Are you kidding me? Do you think I'm stupid? Mary, pregnant by the Holy Spirit? What are you talking about? Just be honest with me and and somehow we'll work something out. It's, It's like adding insult to injury. And Joseph is so scrupulous in his adherence of the law. His whole identity revolves around that. It's who he is. He has worked his entire life to be a good and faithful, a just and righteous Jewish male. Everything. And and whatever the law says, whatever it says in the Old Testament, Joseph believes it and he lives it out and he practices it and he doesn't question it. That settles it. But the problem is that the law has very explicit instructions about what to do for a woman in Mary's condition very clear. And this is Joseph's problem. And it's, it's explicit. Let me, let me read it for you. I'm reading from Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 21. If the woman, you shall bring out the young woman, if she finds, if you find herself, if she finds herself pregnant, or she's been with another man, bring her out of the door of her father's house, And the men of the city shall stone her to death with stones because she has wrought folly in Israel by playing the harlot in her father's house. So you shall purge the evil from the midst of you. That's what you do to a woman in Mary's condition. You stone her at the door of her father's house because this evil has entered the midst of Israel and you must stop it. And if the man is with her, verse 22, if a man is with the wife of another man and Mary is practically the wife of Joseph because they are betrothed, both of them shall die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall purge this evil from Israel. Do you see the serious predicament that Joseph is in? He knows what the law says. He knows that a woman in Mary's condition should be stoned at the door of her father's house. And yet he loves her. He loves her. And he can't bring himself to do what the law requires. So interpret verse 19 and just instead of saying her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, translate that saying, although he is a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, although he was a righteous man, he did not want to make a public example of her the law says make an example of her but joseph says i can't bring myself to do that a law-abiding jew would not hesitate but joseph couldn't do it and can you imagine the agony that he must have gone through in this decision we just read over it like no big deal but Here is Joseph who has obeyed every letter of the law his whole life, and he knows what the law says when a woman comes up pregnant, not by her husband. He knows what he's supposed to do, but he can't bring himself to do it. And then, finally, verse 20, an angel comes and explains the situation more fully to him. As he is considering this, I would translate that word consider, as he was agonizing, Over this. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The angel comes and confirms everything that Mary had previously told Joseph. My question is, why did God wait so long to clue Joseph in? Why, when the angel went and told Mary what was happening... Why didn't that same angel just go straight on to Joseph and fill in the missing pieces so he would not have fretted over Mary's pregnancy and over the requirements of the law and what he was going to have to do if he were a just and righteous Jewish person obedient to the law, having Mary stoned at the door of her father's house? Why did God wait to tell Joseph the whole story. Maybe God is trying to teach Joseph something here. And you and I both know you learn a lot more while you're waiting and listening than when you're active and doing something. I was talking Wednesday night in prayer meeting. I love Galatians 4.4, and it talks about how in the fullness of time, God brought his son born of a woman, born under the law. And the word fullness there means in the perfect time. God does everything in the perfect time, in the perfect way. And so often we get in a hurry and we run ahead of God and we're thinking, God, why aren't you doing this now? You know I need it now. You know things have to happen now. But God doesn't work on our timetable. God works on his perfect timetable. In the fullness of time, God brings everything to completion. He fulfills everything. And so while Joseph is waiting, God is working in Joseph's life. While we're waiting, God is working in our lives and he's teaching us something. What is he teaching? Well, he might be teaching Joseph that there's something more important than the law here. There's something more important than just observing the law, being righteous according to the law. Maybe God is trying to teach Joseph that there's a new kind of righteousness, not in accordance with the law, but in accordance with love. And so the angel says, Joseph, do not be afraid. I know you're afraid. You're afraid of disobeying the law. You're afraid of obeying the law. You're afraid of what people will say. Your fiance is pregnant. And, and they assume that you're the father. If you put her away, you will maintain your self-respect. You will maintain your reputation in the community. But Mary will be stoned. She'll be cast aside. And so Joseph is afraid. And the angel comes and says, do not be afraid. First of all, to take Mary as your wife. If he takes Mary as his wife, everybody will just conclude, yeah, I thought Joseph was the father, and he is because he's marrying her. Joseph will never again be considered a just man. He'll never again be considered a righteous Jew. Accepting Mary as his wife while pregnant will be an enormous personal sacrifice for Joseph and his reputation in the community, in a small community where people gossip. But he takes Mary as his wife, verse 24. Joseph woke from sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife and knew her not until she had borne a son. And the end of verse 25, he called his name Jesus. Remember I was saying in the genealogy a couple weeks ago that by naming Jesus by Joseph, placing the name Jesus on this baby. He is, according to Jewish law, adopting him as his son. And that's how Jesus came of the line and lineage of David, because Joseph was of the lineage of David. It says up here earlier, Joseph... um, Joseph, son of David, verse 20, do not fear to take Mary, your wife. Jesus, it was prophesied the Messiah had to be of the lineage of David. Joseph was of the lineage of David. So how did Jesus enter into Joseph's line when Joseph was not his father? God was his father. Joseph adopted Jesus and he became of the house and lineage of David. And that's why they had to go to Bethlehem for the census. Because Joseph was of the house and lineage of David, Bethlehem is the city of David. So all this is fulfilling scripture, it's fulfilling prophecy. Joseph names him Jesus, everybody says, yeah, I told you, that baby was Joseph." They were together before they were married. Up until this time, Joseph has been a righteous Jew, a just Jew, observing all the laws fastidiously But now he has broken the Jewish law, and he will never reclaim his reputation again. My father used to tell me, Wayne, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation. You can destroy it in a second. Your parents ever tell you that? It takes a lifetime to build a character, to establish a character. You can lose it in a minute. So be careful what you do. People are watching, and it can never again be reclaimed. And... Joseph is learning this lesson. He has lost his esteem among his fellow Jews, his respect. He is claiming Mary as his wife. He is adopting this child, naming this child Jesus. Everyone concludes that they they were together before they were married. How much did it cost Joseph? Well, here's an inkling. In Mark 6, chapter 3, Jesus is beginning his public ministry. Joseph is probably deceased by this point, but look how Jesus and his brothers are identified. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. My question is, why are Jesus' brothers identified as the sons of Mary? Why is Jesus identified as the son of Mary? In Jesus' day, you were always the son of your father. Your father always was your identifying parent. That's why it should have been Jesus bar Joseph. Bar means son of. All of his brothers should have been sons of Joseph. But even here, years later, 30 years later when Jesus begins his ministry never known as sons of Joseph or sons of his father. They're called sons of Mary as an insult because Joseph sacrificed his reputation in taking Mary as his wife and Jesus as his adopted son. It's still not recovered his reputation for marrying his pregnant fiance. People make sacrifices for Jesus all the time But at this point, Joseph had not even seen Jesus. What he had was a dream from an angel. And you know how how you can have a dream and just pass it off and saying, that's not real. I was just imagining something. You could have disobeyed. Joseph could have been disobedient. But here, he sacrificed everything. And yet when he held the baby and looked in his face, He knew that what he had done was pleasing to God. It's an interesting family that God has Jesus born into. Maybe God decided somewhere along the way that rather than placing Jesus on a throne in a palace somewhere, just transporting him from heaven to earth as an adult, Maybe God decided somewhere along the way that it would be better for Jesus to be born into a family that knew firsthand the sting of judgment, the sting of criticism, the sting of gossip, because Jesus is going to spend his whole life gravitating toward sinners, gravitating toward tax collectors and prostitutes, because Jesus loved people who were outcast. Maybe it's because he was raised in a family that was outcast to start with. Jesus must have looked up to and admired his earthly father. And I wonder how much of his birth Mary and Joseph told him. And I was just thinking about this after the early service this morning. You know, there was a story in John chapter 8 where a woman is caught in adultery and they bring her to Jesus and they throw her down. And what were they gonna do to her? They were gonna stone her because that's what the law says to do. And Jesus writes, takes a stick and writes in the sand something. And people have conjectured what he wrote time and time again. And it just occurred to me this morning Maybe he's remembering. That's what they wanted to do to his mother. Maybe she told him that story. And he said to the scribes and Pharisees with stones in their hands ready to throw them, what? Let you who is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus grew up in a family that was looked down upon because of how their... Marriage came together because of Mary's pregnancy, before marriage, because of what Joseph had to sacrifice in order to take her as his wife, and Jesus as his adopted son. And so Jesus is trying to show us that there's something more important here than just observing the law. And he says in the Sermon on the Mount, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. Because there is more to being in a relationship with God than just being legalistic. There's something more important than rules and regulations, it's relationship. There's something more important than the law, it's love. And Jesus is, and God is teaching Joseph that You are a righteous man, Joseph. You are a just man, Joseph. You have observed the law to the letter up until this point. But now I'm going to teach you that love is the fulfillment of the law. I think God had a good reason for starting his son's family in this way because he's teaching Joseph and he's teaching us that there's a new kind of righteousness based not on the law, but on love. And when Joseph made his decision to marry Mary, to wed Mary, he didn't know this child that he would raise would help bring a new kind of righteousness into the world based not on the law, but on love. And he introduced it in his birth. He introduced it with his father who was a just man, a righteous man, a a pious Jew. And yet all that broke down because of Jesus. Sometimes we're called on to make sacrifices for our Lord. I know there are missionaries like Chris and Katie now serving, where people don't understand what they're trying to do and and why in the community they might um, be frowned upon by those who see belief in Jesus Christ as foreign to what their culture teaches. But maybe God is trying to show all of us that more than observing the law, It's important to practice love and do what love requires. Let's bow together. Father, we seldom think about what Joseph went through. Sacrificing his reputation, his standing in the community. Taking Mary as his wife when she was with child and everyone concluding that yes, this must be Joseph's son, and they weren't married. Never again having the standing in Nazareth as a righteous Jew that he once had. And so here comes Jesus into a family where people talked and whispered about his mother and about his earthly father. No one, of course, knowing the story, the whole story of the Holy Spirit's intervention, but just concluding on the surface of what they believed and thought had been a transgression of the law, deserving of stoning to death. And yet, here you come teaching Joseph and all of us that there's something far more important at work here. That more than the law, love conquers all. Love is paramount. Relationship is more important than rules and regulations. And so help us to know and do And understand the difference between right and wrong. And yet at the same time, to let love be the fulfillment of the law. And to act on the basis of love. Always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.